morning, everyone. It is, uh, as Deb's mentioned, just an incredible, incredible honor and privilege to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Um, but more than that, just to worship Jesus with you. Um, there is something, as Deb's mentioned, just incredibly significant about this church. Um, I spent some time yesterday with Dawn kind of drawing a, a family tree, as it were, of church plants. Um, one in particular that came out of this church uh, uh, 25, 30 years ago or so, um, planted in Mpangeni, and then how the churches have been planted and planted and planted and so on. That was one church that was planted out of this church, and probably we ended up with probably 20, 25 churches on that piece of paper out of one church, and I know there's been multiple church plants um, out of this. So just to just to say that I don't think uh, we all fully appreciate the impact of a simple yes to Jesus. Um, and just what God can do with, not with perfect people. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, they needed a perfect spotless lamb to be sacrificed. Um, but Jesus is our perfect spotless lamb who was sacrificed. Which means that we can come just as we are. Uh, and just with a simple sense of obedience, a simple sense of, Lord, I don't have much one of two talents, here I am, Lord, and God can do incredible things with that. And, uh, and that's something of what I want to speak on today. I want to, I want to speak about uh, faith, but actually, uh, more than that, I want to speak about the faithfulness of God. I think faith tends to be a little inward-looking. I want to speak about the God who is faithful. Um, and, and to kind of kick us off, what, what I want to ask you to do is, if you wouldn't mind taking out your smartphones or your journals um, just some way to write a few words down for a moment. So just quickly whip out your, your, your smartphone, your journal. Um, and, and I want to ask you to, to take a couple moments uh, as you're doing that to think about a promise that God has given you that is not yet fulfilled. Think about a promise that God has given you that is not yet fulfilled. Maybe a promise for your, for your own life, for your family, for, for the the connect group that you lead, for the ministry that you oversee, maybe even for the church. A promise that God has given you that is not yet fulfilled. And I want you to, to write a word or a phrase, a couple words, that will remind you of that as I'm speaking today. Because I want this sermon not just to be a sermon on the faithfulness of God. I want this sermon to apply to the situation, to the faith journey that each of you are on. So if you can just do that, just take 30 seconds or a minute what are the promises that God has given you that are not yet fulfilled? And, and as most of you are doing that, I want to just say, if anyone is here that is not a follower of Jesus yet, uh, you might be think, sitting there thinking, well, Steve, what on earth do I write? And I want to say, maybe you're not clear or sure that God even has promises for you. And I want to, I want to say to you today, God's promises for you, although you don't know them yet, are unmatched and unrivaled. And this sermon today is not just for those who are followers of Jesus. This sermon Today is as much for you. So just take that moment just to write down what are those things that God has promised you. Those things that you're writing down right now are the headlines of what God is wanting to do in our lives. But I want to remind us that God is not just a headline writer. He is the author and the perfecter of the faith journey that is our lives. God doesn't want to just give us promises and not lead us into the fulfillment of those promises. God is the author and the finisher. God is the author and the perfecter. He is the one who speaks here where the promise 
has been received, and He's the one who will lead us there to where the promise is fulfilled. And we're going to learn about faith this morning from the life of Abraham. I want to to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 8 in Hebrews 11 is the passage of Scripture that that describes, that summarizes Abraham's faith journey. In a few moments, we're going to end up in Genesis 12 and unpack a little bit of Genesis 12 and 13. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 is is the summary statement of Abraham's faith journey. And you'll notice in verse 8, like in most verses in Hebrews 11, the verse starts with two words, by faith. By faith. That's how God is writing your story. That's how God wants you to respond to Him. Anything that we achieve for God, anything that we do for God, any way that we respond to God needs to start with the two words, by faith. By faith Enoch, by faith Abel, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith uh, Isaac, by faith Jacob, Joseph, by faith you, by faith Drew, by faith Stan, Heather, Graham, by faith Glenridge Church. That's how we make an impact for the king and the kingdom. It is by faith. And let's look at uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I want to set up this morning by just providing a little context to what I believe is true for every single faith journey. True of Abraham's faith journey, true of ours, true of yours. Two parts, two lessons to every single faith journey. Part one, a faith journey always begins with the Word of God. And I know that's obvious and I know that's simple, but a faith journey is not a faith journey if we just put up a hand and come up with a good idea and decide to do it. That's not a faith journey. The faith journey is when we spend time with the Lord and the Lord speaks into our hearts and we respond. Look at verse 8. It says, Abraham was called... There it is. There's the Word of God. The Word of God uh, uh, being spoken into Abraham's life. Abraham was called to later receive the land that was given to him. Called to receive an inheritance. The Word of God comes to declare the promise of God. I love that, 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 uh, that particular contribution that came earlier about our inheritance. God has an inheritance for every single one of us. God has a promise for every single one of us. You've written it down. Take a peek at your smartphones and your journals again and and have a look and remind yourself throughout the sermon and as you leave from here, what is the Word of God that has revealed His promise for you, for your family, for your church? Lesson one, a faith journey always begins with the Word of God. Lesson two, a faith journey, our response to the Word of God is faith. That's how God wants us to respond. God, you know, our response to the Word of God needs to be faith. Faith is ultimately our conviction that God is going to do the the very thing He said He would do. That's what faith is. Faith is simply trusting God. Faith is simply believing God that He will fulfill His Word. Faith is the conviction that God is faithful. That's what faith ultimately is. There's something very powerful and very significant and very unique about the Word of God. And that is, the Word of God contains within itself the power to fulfill what has been declared. The Word of God has within itself the power to fulfill the very thing that has been declared. If I were to stand here in a dark room, imagine this room is completely dark, no power, and I were to say, let there be light. 
How many of you know nothing would happen? Nothing would happen. I'd have to climb off the stage, kind of fumble my way through the chairs and find the switch. I would declare, let there be light, but there'd have to be a subsequent action to ensure that what I declared would take place. God and God alone is the one who can declare, let there be light. And there is light. And that's true, again, for the promises that have been written down. Take another peek. I'm going to be doing this throughout the sermon. Look again at the words that God has spoken. Those words that God has declared over you and over your church and over your ministries and over your family contains the power within itself to fulfill the very things that He has spoken. Two parts to every faith journey. Starts with the Word of God. Our response is faith. Is, is faith. Two lessons to every single faith journey. Lesson number one, the ultimate reward of every faith journey is not the promise fulfilled, although God fulfills His promise. The ultimate reward of every faith journey is intimacy with Jesus. The ultimate reward of every single faith journey is intimacy with Jesus. God uh, uh, speaks His Word and, allow, and wants us to respond by faith so that we can, can begin to grow closer to Jesus. When God speaks His Word, He's not just declaring things over us, He's revealing His heart for us. Words have such power, power to destroy, power to to cut, power to to bring down, but also, as you know, every one of us, power to to release hope, power to release intimacy, power to to impact hearts and lives. Last year, our daughter, um, at the age of 19, uh, in February last year, at the age of 20, sorry, suffered a a, a spontaneous brain bleed caused by an AVM. Uh, um, She was moments away from passing. Um, it's a long story, miraculous intervention. She had to go through four or five hours of brain surgery, um, and God, by His grace, healed her. And once she had recovered from that life-threatening, amen, once she had recovered from that life-threatening uh, 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 few days, um, we were told that one of the consequences of the brain injury might be her loss of speech, that she would never speak again. And I remember Debs and I just feeling so uh, uh, overwhelmed at the goodness of God that she was healed, but also overwhelmed at the reality of the challenge that potentially lay before us. And I remember so distinctly two days after the surgery, walking into ICU, seeing her all bandaged up. And, and I remember she opened her eyes and she looked at me and she said, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. That's it. Those words released such hope. Those words released such such intimacy. Those words, th- those words just impacted my heart so powerfully. And I want to say, if that's true for my daughter speaking to me, how much more for our Heavenly Father speaking His promises over us? Those words that you've written down that summarize your faith journey are an invitation for a relationship, a deeper relationship of intimacy with Jesus. Lesson number one of every faith journey is the ultimate reward is not the fulfillment of the promises, although God fulfills promises, but it's an invitation for relationship with Jesus. Lesson number two, the ultimate testimony of every faith journey is not your or my faith. That's not the ultimate testimony. It's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. A life that is lived by faith is a life that declares the faithfulness of God. 
And that's something we need to remember. So having, having unpacked two lessons, two parts to every faith journey, we're going to jump in and have a look at the life of Abraham. And it's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful story because it's so real. If, if, if you're familiar with the story of Abraham, you will know it's a, it's a story of exhilarating highs and exhilarating faith. And, 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 and within that also just abject failure and, 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 and puzzling decisions. And I love it because it describes me so often. I mean, literally within the same day, I can go from, yes, Lord, I will never doubt to, Lord, where on earth are you? And we're going to have a look at some of that. So turn in your Bibles, if you can, to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to unpack the first kind of five or six verses and then uh, uh, see what God would say from there. So Genesis 12, uh, let's have a look at verse 1. starts off, the Lord said to Abram, now right away you should know the part one of every faith journey, as I mentioned, starts with the Word of God. And right there we have God speaking. The Lord said to Abram, if we had time, we'd have a look at Genesis 11, which describes the context into which the Lord is speaking. Genesis 11 describes the uh, people who had built the Tower of Babel, the tower of their own self-importance, and God had destroyed it. God is speaking to Abram in the context of an incredibly spiritually barren uh, place. Genesis 11 also describes the fact that Abram's wife, Sarah, is unable to conceive. Not only is God speaking into a spiritually barren context, but God is speaking into a physically barren context. But this is what I want to uh, uh, just draw your attention to. God is speaking into a context in which His Word defies the reality of the circumstances. And I want to say to every single one of you, don't let your circumstances dilute the power of God's Word. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're standing in faith for, have a look at those promises again. No matter what those promises are, don't let the physical reality of the circumstances that you are facing dilute the reality of God's Word. The Lord said to Abram, go, go from or or leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Don't you love that, that reality of faith when God says to Abram, God says to each of us, go, and as you go, I will show you where to go. I mean, that's what faith is, friends. If God were to say, go, and this is where I want you to go, and this is what I want you to do, let's be honest, that's probably not faith. That's just uh, doing the things that we're instructed to do. But God says, go from, or, or leave, and, 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 and in the English, that, that seems to be a fairly insipid command. But in the, in the original Hebrew, it's far more strong. God is saying to Abraham, get yourself out. And I want to remind us, friends, that a faith journey is not just about stepping into, it's about getting out from. We have to get out from our current circumstances before we can ever hope to step into the things that God has called us to. A faith journey is about getting out from comfort, getting out from stagnation. Getting out from limitations, getting out from fear, getting out from that place of being overwhelmed and stepping into the plans and the purposes that God has for you. Back in Chicago, um, we, uh, our, our midweek offices, uh, we, we, we were renting a school, or are renting a school on Sunday mornings, but for any meeting that was less than 150 or so, we had this beautiful old uh, uh, um, loft apartment in downtown Chicago built uh, in this building that was built in the mid-1800s, beautiful, original uh, timber floors and timber ceilings and exposed bricks, stunning building, absolutely stunning building. 
The challenge was, though, the, the, the light switch for everything was at the front door, and there was this 50-meter corridor um, to the back door, and that's the door that I would exit in order to catch the train to get home. And it was fine in the summer when the sun was shining brightly, but Chicago winters can be pretty brutal. And it gets dark at about 4.15, and, the, and the, sometimes the snow is coming in at 45 degrees because the wind is lashing at kind of 30 miles per hour. It's pretty hairy. And I, I remember sometimes when, when I would go to the front door and it would be pitch black outside and I'd turn the light off and the entire place was black. And I would just hear the wind lashing against the windows and the, the floorboards creaking. And I would have to make myself from the front door to the back door in order to get out of the building. And I would tell myself over and over again that it was completely fine. But... I acted differently. I knew I had to take step number one. I had to get myself out of the comfort of the light switch to get all the way through to the back door in order to go where I wanted to go. And that describes so, I think, so vividly the reality of the faith journey. You and I know how comfortable it can be from here. But we have to get to where God is taking us. And sometimes we're stepping into uncertainty. Sometimes we're stepping into a sense of being overwhelmed or a sense of doubt or a sense of fear. But God will always be with us every single step of the way. Verse 2, God begins to reveal his promises for Abram. I will, there is the promise, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And God begins to unpack in verse 2 and verse 3 the reality of His promises. It's a promise of protection. It's a promise of, of favor. It's a promise of, the, of, of God being with Abraham. It's a promise of blessing, but ultimately it's a promise to be a blessing. And friends, can I say God's promises have not changed. The things that He's wanting to do in your life are not ultimately just to bless you. It's so that you can be a blessing. I think sometimes we ask the wrong questions. We ask the question, Lord, where will I be most blessed? Wrong question. The question we should be asking is, Lord, where will I be the greatest blessing? That's where God wants to root us. That's where God wants to plant us. That's where God wants to work in our lives. And look at verse 4. So Abraham left. I love that. Simple obedience. The definition of, of kingdom success. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. What has God said to you? Have a look again, just as we continue this story. Just take a moment again, 10 seconds. Look down at the promises that God has declared over you. I want to say, friends, during this faith journey that you're on, there will be times of opposition. There will be times of weakness. There will be times of delay. Opposition comes from the devil. The devil is not going to stand back and cheer you on as you step into the inheritance that God has for you. There will be times of opposition. Hold on to those promises. There will be times of weakness, times where you are come face to face with the reality of your inability to achieve those promises. Stand on the Word of God. Times of opposition, times of weakness, times of delay. Delay comes from God. There are times when God pushes the pause button. There are times when God speaks and then He pushes the pause button and we need to learn to stand and hold on to the promises that God has given us. And so the rest of, Ab of Genesis 12, if we had time, you would, and I encourage you to make sure you go and read that, the rest of Genesis 12. But Abraham does three things. And I want to just take a moment to explain what I believe those three things represent in the faith journey that you and I are on. Abraham does three things. He pitches a tent, he builds an altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. He pitches a tent, he builds an altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. Let's unpack each of those and just explain what I think God is saying 
in the context of every faith journey. Abraham pitches a tent. To pitch a tent means you're on a journey. And, and I think that's simply what, what, what God is wanting to remind us of, that faith is a journey. God doesn't speak here, and the next moment we step into the promise. It's with faith, Hebrews 6.12, it is with faith and patience that we inherit the promise. If you're anything like me, I, I, I understand the faith part. I struggle with the patience part. It is with faith and patience that we step into the promises of God. But it's not always easy, is it? I mean, on that faith journey, on that, on, 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 you know, on that, that, that road to, from here to there, on that road from, from, the, from the, the place where God speaks the bud to the place where God takes us, the fruit, from one degree of glory to the next, that, 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 that time, that, that, that corridor, that journey is a tough journey. And, and if I can just, as an aside, say to you that, that I think one of the most encouraging parts of Scripture on any faith journey is to, is to soak yourself in the Psalms, to find yourself in the Psalms, because it, it, the Psalms are, are wonderfully inviting for us to, to encounter God through the midst of uncertainty and doubt and fear. The Psalms give us permission to weep through those times of difficulty, through those times of hardship, through those times of unanswered question, questions, the Psalms give us this permission to weep. Lord, I, I don't understand what's going on. I'm, I'm face to face with the giants and I don't know how I'm going to find my way through. But Lord, the one thing I know that I need to do is cry out to you. The Psalms give us permission and context to do that. But I want to say, friends, in this journey from here to there, not just permission to weep, but the, we need to realize the power of worship. In the midst of weeping, not, it's not stages. You don't weep and then worship. It's in the midst of weeping we are invited to, to worship God. God, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't make sense of what I see. But the one thing I know, you are faithful. And for that reason, I'm going to lift my voice and worship you. The permission to weep. The power of worship. It's also an invitation to adopt the posture of waiting. Faith journey requires a posture of waiting. And you'll see often in the Psalms about, it'll describe of a, a, a waiting uh, for the Lord, being still and, and waiting for God, waiting as, as the watchmen wait for the morning. Have you, have you heard that phrase? A watchman waits for the morning very differently to the way you wait for a friend who's late at a coffee shop. The way you wait for a friend who's late at the coffee shop is, oh my goodness, Stan, where are you? It's 30 minutes. I wonder whether he's coming or not. No, he's not coming. He's 30 minutes late. The watchman waits for the morning with absolute certainty that the morning is coming. He's just not sure exactly when it is coming. The watchman waits for the morning and he's looking at the horizon. I know that sun is going to rise. I know God is going to come through. I'm not exactly sure, but I know it's going to happen. That's the posture that God wants us to take. Permission to weep, power of worship, posture of waiting. And then can I say, friends, through this all, through all of that, I want to remind us that we have the privilege to witness. Sometimes I think, I certainly sometimes think that the only opportunity we have to witness to friends is when breakthrough comes. But I want to say the way we conduct ourselves in the midst of the faith journey is an incredibly powerful witness to those around us. 
The way that we worship God, the way that we say, I know I'm in difficulty, I know I'm in hardship, but my eyes are fixed on the Lord and I'm waiting for Him to come through. That is just as powerful a witness to those around you who do not know Jesus as is the opportunity to witness to them when breakthrough comes. We are on a journey. Abram pitched a tent. Second thing Abram did was he built an altar. He built an altar at the place where God had spoken to him. To build an altar, to me, speaks of encountering the Lord through worship. Encountering the Lord through worship. A, a, a verse, a passage that I love to think of in this context is, is Hebrews chapter 12. You don't turn there. I'll just kind of recite it and read it for us. But, but Hebrews 12 is the, is the passage immediately after the great passage on faith. The writer of the book of Hebrews has, has described person after person who's journeyed by faith. And then he starts off, therefore, in the light of this faith journey, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, yes, a great cloud of witnesses of men and women who are faith heroes, who are in heaven worshiping Jesus. Can I suggest men and women in this room who are part of that great cloud of witnesses? A faith journey, friends, is not something to be done alone. Look around you. There are men and women who are on the same journey you are. There, there are men and women who are learning also to take God at His word. And we cannot achieve the purposes of God in isolation from community. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the, the, the sin that entangles. And uh, I'm going to misquote this. Let, me, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. Don't give up. Let us run with perseverance. The race that has been marked out for us. I love the fact that, that at faith, the faith journey is so, is so uh, similar yet so unique. The race that is marked out for us. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's the worship part. How do we, how do we uh, journey? The, the only one who is consistent through this all is Jesus the only one who will get us from here to there, the only one who will take us from this place to that place, from bud to fruit, is not your faith. Your faith is not consistent. It's the perfect faith of Jesus. The author of our faith. The one who speaks the promises. And the perfecter of our faith. The one who will bring us through. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And the third thing that Abraham did was he called on the name of the Lord. And can I suggest, friends, that calling on the name of the Lord is simply calling on the Lord as he has revealed himself through the promises that he has spoken. When God said to Debs and I that he was going to bring Hannah, our daughter, through the ordeal that, we, that she was facing, we knew that was a promise from God that would keep us strong through the faith journey, and God was revealing a part of His character that we could call upon in the midst of difficulty. So we cried out to God, God, you have made yourself known as healer, so we are crying out to you as healer. I want you to take 10 seconds again to look at the promises God has given you. And the question that you need to ask yourself or ask God is, God, how are you revealing yourself through this promise that you have made in my life? That's perhaps some homework for you to do. And as you go home and you begin to ask that question, God wants to reveal an aspect of his character through those promises. That's an invitation for you to call on him 
in the way that he's revealed himself. He pitched a tent, he built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. Genesis, the rest of Genesis 12 describes, though, uh, not only Abraham's strength in faith, but Abraham's faltering faith. And I would suggest to us that our faith begins to falter when we don't remember, firstly, that we are on a faith journey. As soon as we are three days into the faith journey and God hasn't come through and we forget that God is, put us, has, has, is walking us through a faith journey, our faith begins to falter. When we, when we don't remember that we are on a faith journey, when we don't remember to fix our eyes on Jesus, when we don't remember to call on the faithfulness of God, that's when our faith begins to falter. And it manifests in worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety is the result of reaching into tomorrow and trying to drag in from tomorrow something that we cannot control into the here and now. We reach into the issues that tomorrow will have and we try and make them today's problems. And I want to say, friends, that's dangerous and unhelpful. And Jesus is very clear about worry and anxiety. He says, do not worry. In other words, do not reach into tomorrow. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be there for you tomorrow. Those issues will take care of themselves because I'm going to be there. Don't reach in and try and control something that you cannot. Do not worry, Jesus says, but seek first my kingdom. Seek first me and my righteousness. In other words, focus on my present presence in the present. That's what Jesus is saying. I remember so clearly as Hannah uh, had come out of ICU and, and 10 days later she was sent to a rehab institute in order to learn how to, to kind of talk and walk and, and what have you again. And, and uh, I, it was a, it's a magnificent building, 27 floors, downtown Chicago. I was, she was, I would get there every morning at about 6 o'clock early in the morning and the one morning I'd gotten there she was still sleeping. So I went off to a quiet corner uh, of the hospital and I was looking over downtown Chicago and I, I remember so clearly beginning to ask the question, what if, what if? What if, Lord, she doesn't get healed? What if she's not the same as she want, was before the injury? What if, what if it happens again? What, what if it happens to one of our other children? And, and you can put yourself into whatever faith journey you're on, and you'll know that we can often be consumed with the what if questions. What if God doesn't come through? What if the financial breakthrough that I'm trusting for doesn't happen? What if the healing that I'm trusting for doesn't happen? What if the relationship that I'm trusting for wholeness to, to, to be discovered isn't, isn't found? And I felt God so clearly say to me, Steve, you're asking the wrong questions. The, wrong, the question is not what if, but what now? What now? What now? What do we need to do now? What is, what is, the, what is the thing that God is asking us to do now? This is, the Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's true today. Do you know that will be true tomorrow too? As you step into tomorrow, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The question we need to ask ourselves is not what if, but what now? And that's what happens to Abraham in, in, in Genesis 12 and then into Genesis 13. In Genesis 13, Abraham comes to his senses and he realizes that his faith has begun to falter. So you know what Abraham does? He goes back to the place where God first spoke to him. He goes back to that first altar that he built. And he reminds himself of the Word of God. He begins to stand and rest in the faithfulness of God. And God begins to speak again of the things that he spoke in Genesis 12. 
When my faith falters, when your faith falters, I would suggest that's what God would want us to do. He wants us to go back to the place where He first spoke to us. He wants us to, to, to stand on the word that He's spoken over our lives. He wants to remind us of His faithfulness and the word spoken over us as we rest in the reality that God is a faithful God. So what I want to do as we close this morning, I want to just give us very quickly five practical things that we can all do as we are on this faith journey that is described in the words that you've written down. Before I do that, just last time, take a quick peek at those promises that God has spoken over you. Those words, those things, those promises that God has spoken over your life. With that in mind, let's quickly have a look at the five things that we can do. Number one, I would suggest that we need to be patient. We need to be patient. God's word is clear over and over again. A prophetic promise will always wait for God's perfect timing to be fulfilled. It's written all over scripture. Be patient. It is with faith and patience that we inherit the promise. Be patient. Secondly, I would suggest we need to be resolute or we need to be steadfast. We need to stand while we are, are patient, while we are waiting for God. We, we, we need to stand. We need to be resolute. We need to stand and be steadfast and stand on the Word of God. I love the, 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 the chapter in Ephesians chapter 6 where, where Paul is describing spiritual warfare. And over and over again, he just uses that phrase, stand, 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 stand. And then at the end he says, and when you've done all else or everything else, stand. And I would suggest, friends, that's... that's the most powerful act of warfare in the midst of a faith journey is to stand and be resolute and steadfast on the promises of God. Be patient. Be steadfast. Number three, be focused. Be focused. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the only faithful one that will take us from here to there. Be patient, be steadfast, be focused, be ready. Be ready. I know I said be patient, but at the same time as being patient, I want to say be ready. Because God, when God begins to move, when the timing is right, let me tell you, things happen quickly. I can't remember the exact verse number, but the very last verse of Isaiah 60 says this, I am the Lord, in its time I will do things swiftly. And I'm sure many of us can testify to that reality. Be patient, be steadfast, be focused, be ready. And if your faith has faltered, if your faith has wavered, I want to encourage you this morning, be reminded of and rest in the faithfulness of God. Be reminded of and rest in the faithfulness of God. Be patient, be steadfast, be focused, be ready. And if your faith has faltered, or could I say, when your faith will falter, maybe I should say that, because it will. When your faith will falter, be reminded of and rest in the faithfulness of God. Let's put our phones down and let's ask for the Holy Spirit to come and just move among us this morning. I'm pretty sure, I don't need to be prophetic to, to know that probably everyone here in this room is standing in faith for some area of breakthrough. I'm pretty sure that every one of us here have written down something that we are trusting God for. And I want to ask for the Holy Spirit to come 
and just to bring the peace of the Lord, to bring rest, to bring assurance that God is faithful. Holy Spirit, would you come? You are already here, I know. But Lord, would you move in hearts, in lives? Lord, we don't want to rush off and, and, and kind of just move on to the next thing. Lord, we want to take a moment just to surrender and submit our hearts to you. Some of us here, Lord, are weary. Some of us, Lord, have, are burdened. We've taken on things that you have not asked us to take on. Father, we repent of those things that we've taken on and tried to make happen in our own strength, doors that we've tried to knock down, things that we've tried to do to impress you or to try and win you over. Lord, you don't want any of that. You simply want us to come yielded and submitted. Hearts that are open to you. As best as we know how, Lord God, we lay those things down that we've tried to make happen. Would you forgive us where we've trusted in our insufficiency rather than trusting in your all-sufficiency? Holy Spirit, just breathe on us this morning. Breathe on us this morning. Refresh us. Restore hope, I pray. Restore hope, I pray. Thank you, Lord. This morning, we choose to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. The author, the perfecter of our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.